Providence, Rhode Island. This is your station, your music, the world famous. WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Ellens, the show where we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports here on 90.7 WXIN. I am joined here today by a friend of the show, Jackson Reaper, and we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to be obviously diving into Dan Shaughnessy's column Monday from the Boston Globe. We are going to be talking about the Kyrie Irving situation in Cleveland. We're going to be hitting on a quick uh, Patriots training camp preview. Camp does start tomorrow. And to round it up, we'll probably be talking a little bit more Red Sox kind of wrap up the show now the phone lines are still down but if you want to join in on the conversation don't be afraid to tweet at me at jake r-e-l-m-s-l-i-e that is at jake r-e-l-m-s-l-i-e if you want to join in on the conversation about anything we're talking about or anything you want us to talk about anyway with all that on the table you're listening to the stadium experience with jake elmsley on 90.7 wxi and i'm joined by jackson reaper and we're going to dive right in with something that i have been super Super, super eager to talk about. And that is, as I said, the if you haven't heard about this, if you're under a rock, as I really hope that all my listeners are so they can gain something from this show that comes on once a week. Dan Shaughnessy, excuse me, not Monday, but Sunday, because I'm still working on this show being on Thursdays for some reason, released a column that kind of dove deeper into a couple of things, but the thing I really want to hit on is it dove deeper into the Dennis Eckersley incident from the Dennis Eckersley-David Price incident from last month that I talked about. Well, I don't really know how much I talked about it, but it was talked about a lot, where basically that Dennis Eckersley, the demon that he is, when the stats from a rehab start in Pawtucket came up in the middle of a Red Sox broadcast while he was obviously calling the game, a rehab start from Aguilar Rodriguez, a bad one. The stats came up and he just went, yuck. And somehow between that and the team getting on the plane, David Price caught wind of this and decided being the hero for his team's honor that he is. Decided that he had to dress down the man. And there really weren't a lot of details known, at least to my knowledge. But Dan Shaughnessy in his column, the little engine that could there, went and investigated and he, uh... He basically really got the details into it, and this coming straight from his article, once again from The Globe, coming out on Sunday, the description of the incident. On the day of the episode, Price was standing near the middle of the team aircraft, surrounded by fellow players, waiting for Eckersley. When Eckersley approached on his way back to the plane, Sox broadcasters traditionally sit in the rear of the aircraft. A grandstanding Price stood in front of Eckersley and shouted, here he is, the greatest pitcher who ever lived. The game is easy for him. When a stunned Eckersley tried to speak, Price shot back with, get the F out of here. And then this is, this is, we, can't, we all understood these details, but then this is where things start to get a different. Next thing that I didn't know, and most of us know, many players applauded. It goes on to say that Eckersley made his way to the back of the plane as players in the middle of the plane started their card games. In the middle of the short flight, Eckersley got up and walked towards the front, where Sox boss Dave Dombrowski was seated. When Eckersley passed through the card-playing section in the middle, Price went at him again, shouting, Get the F out of here! When Price was asked about it the next day, he said only, Some people just don't understand how hard this game is. After his next start, Price said, I stand up for my teammates. Whatever, cra whatever crap I catch for that, I'm fine! 
I'm David Price, the villain. And basically, the team then goes on to say, we handled it internally, said Sox CEO Sam Kennedy. David met with Dave Dombrowski and John Farrell, and it was dealt with at that level. And basically, besides that, John Henry, the owner of the Red Sox, visited with Eckersley off air for half an inning. And apparently Dombrowski has reached out to Eckersley. And then, just moving on a little more before we get into this, Jackson, when asked about the lack of apologies from anyone in uniform, Farrell would only say, we have moved on and our focus is winning games. And Eckersley is currently not on the road trip and is unlikely to travel with the team anytime soon. Now, mind you, um, Eckersley, due to his previous issues with alcoholism, doesn't really like to travel in general, but it kind of feels like he's avoiding the team now, Jackson. And I can't blame him for this. And this incident just makes me so mad because I can understand a player having gripes with the media. Shaughnessy's explained that's happened. Everybody else who's worked in the media, everybody else has talked about a beat reporter has explained like, yeah, guys have like came up to me and just told me to like go F myself, like stop it. Like you're, being, you're a dick. I don't like you. Yada, yada, yada. But like they've, at least the ones who they're speaking well of have done it, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. They've pulled people aside. They've said it like an adult, not obstructing the guy in the middle of the flight. Like you're trying to bully some kid on the playground, telling him to go F himself, and then having all your buddies in the back applaud. Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, before I start, um, there was lovely, colorful commentary by you with that article. Thank um, you. Really appreciated it. For <laughs> a like dramatic was, reader. Felt like I was in the action. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I totally, you know, want to harp on the fact you know, like what you just said, I just think it was just a disgusting act that just didn't didn't really yeah. need to happen. And I think it's not only a poor representation of of the Red Sox organization, mm -hmm. um, it's more of a poor representation of not only David Price himself as a player of the organization, but it's John Far Farrell as well. Sorry, mm -hmm. sorry, a little uh, tongue twister there. Um, it's just like I, I really if it was a you know his whole plan is all scheme to uh to you know to back up his teammates, I really don't think it was it was an act that was worth you know going for and it's uh it's it's a it's a it's a shame to see the socks in the news like this and it's a shame to see a pitcher that we pay all this money. To be in the 217 like million dollars over seven years. He's not winning. He's not winning over any friends in Boston. I'll tell you that right now, just by his acts. Um, this isn't. The, as I remind you, this isn't the first time that he's lashed out at the media, and he's actually had a problem this entire year. He's only accepting pressed, you know, questions before games, before which, he pitches. Which, mind you, he has every right to do that. Exactly, but they're very meticulously thought out yes. you know he doesn't like answering no. certain questions no. and that's the thing like i i don't know i don't know if he's is he being is he being childish about this is he you know i i just think that you know as a player even at the highest level that he's you know that he's playing at right now i'm not saying him as you know david price i'm just saying like the major league baseball yeah. being the highest level of professional baseball that you can play in in the world I think you're still, you're you're still susceptible to you know to be exposed to some criticism, mm -hmm. and especially by a guy who knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and save you on that. But yeah, and you know what this is? And once again, like if a guy wants to lash out at the media, 
I don't care. Guys, do it. There's a certain way you handle it, but you can be critical of the media just as they can be critical of you. That's the whole deal, and the beat reporters accept that. But, you know what this says about David Price, and we'll get into what it says about the rest of the team more than anything? How thin skin this guy is. That, like, <laughs> like this, this gets to you. Him saying, and, and him, and seemingly, see, and assuming that, you know, seeing how the rest of the team that was behind him, seemingly the rest of the team, too. How thin-skinned these guys are that they're like, ooh, you said yuck about Aguardo, about Erod? Well, guys, we gotta do something. We gotta, we gotta teach him. Like, this is like, this is what David Price was putting his efforts into. Like, during the game, instead of worrying about, you know, what he was gonna do, how he was gonna perform, how the team was gonna perform, which, by the way, he sucked in his last start. We don't need to get into that, but he, did. he was going, hey, guys, 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 this is what we're gonna do. You guys gotta stand behind me and... I'm going to tell him that he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right, guys? Yeah, David. And it's just like, this is what they're committing their energies to? Like, and I think, and I think just to bring up another point, it's unfortunate that it had to happen at this time because this is exactly when the Sox need yeah. Price mm -hmm. to perform. And this is, this is the time where it starts getting closer to October where some teams slide after the break yep. and some teams pick up speed. And so especially this August and September month, I say more, you know, so August is when those teams will make that push. Yeah. And with them in the position they are in right now, you know, something like this is, you know, could come back to backfire on them. And I think it's just from a chemistry standpoint and from, you know, just looking at the team as a whole, this is something that could be a snowballing effect Absolutely. in what could send them spiraling downhill, losing the division, yep. and possibly being out of the playoffs in just a couple months. Yeah, and I don't think it's a chemistry issue because they all seem to be behind this. They all seem to also be like, yeah, the media is mean to us. We need to do... Like, they, for the most part, all seem to be okay with it. Like, none of them. The players all seem... But if that's what their chemistry is... Well, exactly. I they're just babies. Don't, I don't think you can have a bunch of hotheads in a room, you know. Not hotheads. Babies. You can have hotheads. You can't have babies. And they're, they're being children about. Like, that's what this is. If this, if this is what gets to them, if this is what grinds their gears enough that they need to put time into planning to ambush a guy, to, to ambush the color commentator on the plane. Well, we'll have to see where they are in October. Yeah, that's we will. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean well, now they're on a four-game losing streak right now. They're up by one right now. But they're only now they're only half a game ahead of the Yankees. They're playing the Reds tonight, so that's nothing, but I don't know. This is just childish. And they don't, just it's aggravating to hear that this is what they're putting their energies into. And this just and this just keeps going to more and more levels. And we'll take it to those levels. Because you mentioned Dennis Eckersley isn't the guy to mention that to. Because what is it that Price said? There's Dennis Eckersley, the greatest pitcher in the world. He doesn't understand how hard this is. Hmm, you're right, David Price. Dennis Eckersley doesn't understand how hard it is. He only did it for 23 years. Was a six-time All-Star. Only won the AL MVP once. Only won the Cy Young Award once. And... Oddly enough, you know what's something that Dennis Eckersley did that David Price didn't? That's wild. I believe he won a playoff game. Yes. I yes, believe he, he did. did. He did. So, so <laughs> like, I don't remember who said it, but there was a quote from somebody. Maybe it was Shaughnessy. Maybe it was Bedard. It was somebody, but some... No, it was Bedard. It's a football writer. What am I thinking? But somebody said something like, if Dennis Eckersley is criticizing you, 
You listen up. You should go look in the mirror. And I don't remember who that quote is from, but I read it somewhere. And so beyond that, beyond who he's getting pissy with, it's the fact that him, and as an exception, seemingly this whole team, because they're cheering him on, unless he, like, put a gun to their head and forced them to cheer him on. Seemingly they also feel the same way, that people are out to get them. Clearly the whole team feels this way. And it's just... It's just silly. It's dumb. It's and, I, and I just don't... I mean, is um, from a even from a culture standpoint, I don't think this is something that a lot of fans want to see. No! Because as beloved as Eckersley is in this in Boston... You don't want to see something like that. No. And I think, and I think honestly, like, you know, I guess I'll, I'll fire this question right back at you. Now that, you know, David Price has gotten, you know, about half half a season, uh, considering what he did last year as well. But, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's look at the melting pot that he, you know, submerged himself into this year. Where would the Sox go right now? You know, what, the, what should their future be regarding him right now? Okay, well, I mean, it's tough because you can't really trade him because I mean he's got a hefty contract I mean, right he's there. He's gone you know? in a year and a half. Like he is, he's he can opt out in a year and a half, and he's gone. He's he hates it here, for one thing. He unless he's absolutely just awful the next year and a half and knows he can't get a contract close to what he's getting here, which I doubt will happen. And even if he's a little off, somebody will throw money. He's gone. He hates it here. And he always hated it here. I played for other teams. He hated it here. The only reason he came here was because the Red Sox just kept throwing more and more money at him. And then he tried to use him as leverage to get other teams to outbid him. And even then, he couldn't. The other teams wouldn't match it. So it came to a point where he was like, okay, I'm, it'll be stupid for me not to come here. But you know what? No, it was stupid for him to come here. Because he, he doesn't fit the market at all. The guy's thin as paper. The, guy, excuse me, the guy's skin is paper thin. He can't take any amount of criticism. He lashed out everybody, and it's just... It's absurd. Like, it's so, so child... But they can't trade him. And then that brings it to then whose fault is it that he's acting this way? I think, you know, for him and in the way he's been lashing out at the Boston media right now, my question is, you know, where are you going to go play where there's... You know, there's no criticism that he can't. Because, like, all right, well, let's let's take, for instance, so he started off in Tampa Bay, and then he went mm-hmm. to Detroit, and then he got traded to Toronto. Yeah, all, all not known for know. being scathing markets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the Boston so, market so that's is a t- question for it, me. So I think with uh, the incident that he had right here this year, the couple of incidences that he had this year, I think uh, from from his standpoint, you know, I don't know what team would want him. Do you want to take on a hot mess like that? Do you do you like do you really like can you can you trade him? I don't well, know. Not every market is Boston, like, but this is a very scathing, critical market. And the fans here are tough and they will turn on you in an instant if you're not doing well. So I can understand no, there are other markets where he'd be fine. There are other markets where guys aren't gonna be pissed off, like Toronto or Miami, no Tampa Bay, excuse me. Yeah, they they really get on their baseball players in Tampa Bay. Like no, like there are places he can go. There are places where he'd fit better. This is just like this from the onset was a terrible fit from personality to market. Like there are guys who can take it. Chris Sale, perfect example, perfect guy, doesn't care. Doesn't care about any of it. But what this says about the team though is that like, you know, this out I'm bringing kind of back to so but this outside noise, you're right. If it's affecting this team, 
if such little outside noise is affecting them, it's and, you're headed for a, a downturn. A heavy downturn. Exactly. And that's and that's where I think you know, as as you mentioned when the show was starting, we're talking about their their leadership or lack of leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really. You know, the problem that persists when you have a guy like David Ortiz leave the team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, a vo- because because that that big, you know, bellowing voice that you have in the clubhouse, you know, it really comes into effect when you have a you know a situation like this. Because exactly. I personally believe no, none of this would have ever happened if, if Ortiz, Ortiz was Absolutely around. not. But, you know, Price wouldn't even dare try something like this no, if Ortiz not. was here. And even if he did, Ortiz would stand up and tell him to stop, I assume. Unless Ortiz has some vendetta against Eckersley that we don't know about. But even then, he probably would not let something like this happen to anybody. But, you know, who's going to stand up to Price? Really, who in the clubhouse is? Who's going to stand up to the $30 million pitcher? It's not going to be Pedroia. A lot of people ask about Pedroia. And that's that's not who Pedroia is. So I don't expect it from Pedroia. I wish I could. I'm not saying I just completely forgive Pedroia. Like, oh, he's fine. Like, he's somewhat responsible for all this. But I'm not surprised. What is Mookie Betts going to step up? What is Benintendi gonna step up in his rookie year? Sale, who just got here? Porcello, who sucks? Pomerantz, who's been okay? Like, who's who's gonna stand up? Really? Like, who's gonna stop him? And then it comes, and then you know, the next person you'd say, well, what about John Farrell, the manager? But it seems to me, and it seemed this way for a while, that he's just. He's completely lost control of this. And I think and I think his comments too just yeah. you know, his com- his 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 comments about the situation and the apology that ensued. <laughs> what apology? That, yeah, exactly. And that and that just gave me an indication that he was piss poor at handling the situation as well. Yeah. And then he's your manager. There's no handling he's your manager. There's you, no you, handling you of need, it. You need to be on top of something like that. When he, something like like he's been there long enough where he knows darn well when something like that comes up, like you got to do something about yeah, that. But you don't handle and you don't handle it like the way you handle it. No, but the problem is he's just completely lost control of this team, and that's and which, that's why which is a yeah, giant exactly. problem because you know the entire you know the book on John Farrell is you know yeah he sucks as an in-game manager, but you know Dombrowski's come out. I think he's been okay this year. I, I don't. I think Farrell has been fine this year from an in-game perspective. But, you know, that's always been the book at him is that he isn't a good in-game manager. But Dombrowski's come out and said, you know, like, oh, like, the in-game part, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but, oh, the in-game part, that's overrated. Really what's important is that, you know, the manager can keep the clubhouse under control and keep things running well there. Well, Jackson doesn't seem like the clubhouse is being run very well. And, yeah, he's completely lost control. And David Price does not respect John Farrell. You've seen that, like, after the first time this happened, yeah, ta- uh, yeah, exactly. talking about manager John doesn't like this. And there have been reports that they've almost punched each other. There's all kinds of stuff swirling around that these two just do not get along. And you know what even goes further to the thin-skinned stuff I was talking about before? I don't remember where I read this. Once again, I hate, I'm sorry for not having my sources completely pegged. But there was another article that said that seemingly the players, on the Red Sox players don't think that Farrell has their back enough, which is absurd. Because, Jackson, have you ever watched John Farrell talk once after a game ever? Does he ever once step on the toes of any of his players, ever say anything negative, ever throw any of his players under the bus? No. And John Farrell sounds like an idiot 90% of the time when he talks because he's just standing up there talking in circles 
He make he literally makes up words to compliment his players or to, you know, explain away something that they did wrong. The guy makes up word terms you've never heard before just to not throw his players under his bus. But seemingly to these players, that isn't enough. They think that John Farrell needs to, you know, have their back more. Which is insane. And that goes back to it. If they don't think that, if of all things, if John Farrell is anything, he treats his players nicely. And if they think that he's not treating them nicely enough, what does that say about these players? What does that say about them? Like I said, it's uh well, you know, you'll you'll probably tell me again. It's you know, it's not so much about the chemistry, but you gotta have all the pieces together. Yeah. With a with an organization sure. like this. Yep. And especially in the position that they're in, you know, like you know, leading the AL East. And um, you know, personally, I just think that, you know, if if you're gonna have guys like this on the team, I don't think that's gonna, you know, bring about a winning culture at all. They no. might be winning right now. Yeah. But, but I don't think that's going to happen in the future. No, doesn't just just smell of a team that's going to choke when there's pressure on them. Honestly, it does. And when I, they put and out I, of the and I'm honestly, I'm I'm not I'm not confident at all. You know, the prospects looking at, you know, what these next two months are going to look like for them. Yeah, I don't think it's going to. It doesn't. It from a from a distance away. You know, from I can see from a mile away that there yeah. is something coming and I don't you know. do you think that does it seem like price is going to take all this anger and channel it into just going lights out in the playoffs does it feel like that's what's going to happen no we'll see no it he's d- gotta he's gotta win the fans over somehow or it, it just feels like or that's, he's gonna he's gonna be run right out of there yeah and it feels like that's not what's gonna happen but then it comes back to back to Farrell he's lost control of this team and you know seemingly him and price just can't coexist anymore seemingly having so much issues with it and it comes to you know at this point, do we bring this back up, even when the team is in first place? Because the team can't move on from Price. They they need Price, or they need what Price should be, and they can't move on from him in the end, because no team's going to take up his contract. And you can't really trade your number two pitcher when you're in the midst of a pennant race. So what do you do? We bring this back up. You know, the game's on a the team's on a four game skid. There, if they lose today, mind you, they're up 2-0 right now. But after today against the Mariners, they go back to Boston. You know, maybe is is this the time? Do you fire Farrell now? Would moving on from him help? Can a new guy come in right now, no matter who it is, and kind of right the ship? Is that something that could happen? Well, you know, looking from that standpoint, I I honestly just don't think it should because of the position mm-hmm. that they're in right now, and I think they just, exactly. just stick with their what they got, um, you know, and just keep the pieces together as as cancerous as they've become uh but they need you know it it, it would just i think it would spell you know you know hordes of new problems if yeah feral were to you know be ousted or you know a player as well i think for them what they really need is is a a, you know leadership leadership and that's absolutely that's the other scenario i think that's something and i think that's something that um, you just can't look for at this point in the season. It's got to be somebody that steps up. It's got to be somebody that looks at the situations that have, you know, that have mm-hmm. gone on the last couple of months um, and look at it and say, somebody needs We're know. being children. Like, let's, yeah, like somebody needs to step up here. Let's and honestly, like, and that's, and that's what's, you know, separates the better teams from the yeah. ones that are in the sewer. Because that's, you know, it's problem. Like I'm saying, you know, maybe you do take out John Farrell and you bring in another manager, but then maybe at that point the players are just like, 
Screw this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now we got we got to lead this team, and we're seeing how good of a job they're doing at that. But then it comes down to you. Know, Who's the guy who steps up? Because seemingly they're all lockstep, that they're all victimized, and, and the team and the media is just out to get them, and that they shouldn't be critical. I think, I think it's just an off-season cleanup that needs to be yeah. addressed. And, uh, you know, you hope, you hope as a fan that um, somebody just can come in right now and, and make an impact in that area. Um, but for now, it's, it's just a, it's a shame that, you know, this, this type of behavior, you know, had to, you know, come about at this point in the season. It's, it really is just, it really is just something else. Like what, it, it, it's a situation to really monitor because they're just, it's just childish and I just don't see it turning around. Honestly, that they can start winning games again. I'm not saying they couldn't start doing that. I don't think they're going to like suddenly start losing, but then, you know, you get to the playoffs and there's outside of Pedroia, there's nobody on this team who's ever done, really won anything, which even, you know, you know, kind of makes the fact that they're acting like this even more aggravating. But just outside of that, just outside of criticizing them and not liking what they're doing from an actual, you know, results perspective, what do you th- what are they going to do? Are they gonna, now, so, it just doesn't feel like they're going to get to the playoffs and now all this whining is going to pay off. And they're going to be able to succeed when the pressure's really on them. I don't know. But anyway, we'll we'll move on from that. We'll move on to the next subject. We're gonna be talking some we're gonna be talking about the Kyrie Irving situation now, but we're gonna take a quick break before that. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley, Jackson Reaper sitting in with me right now. If you want to join in the conversation, once again, our phone lines are down, but you can tweet at me at Jake R E L M S L I E. Anyway, though, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back and take you right into the top of the five o'clock hour. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. Do you know which tree Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans? Which tree Abraham Lincoln used to cross a river? And what tree William Penn used as a landmark for his map? Taste the breeze, it's life inside you. Make a promise to the earth. There's an easy way to find out. Go to the National Arbor Day Foundation's website, arborday.org, for whatever you need to know about trees. At arborday.org, you'll find out what trees are right for planting where you live, and that the oak is the people's choice for America's national tree. It was a Sunnybrook oak which Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans. You'll have to go to arborday.org for the other answers. Plant a tree today for all the world to share. That's arborday.org. Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable IOTA Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they can rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? <laughs> Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. 
A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401 490 For a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. to date on current events, just want to hear yourself speak, then join WXIN's News Talk Sports Department and you can talk local news, road events, sports, whatever you want. Attend meetings at Horace Band 186 on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. or stop by the station anytime to get your slot today. It's not the size that matters, it's the pleasure it provides. WXIN FM. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley, on 90.7 WXIN. Jackson Reaper is with me right now. We've been talking about some Red Talks, about talk some, talk some NBA, go talk some football later. If you want to join in the conversations, the phone lines are down, but don't be afraid to tweet at me, at Jake R. Elmsley. That is at Jake R. E L M S L I E. Anyway, like I said, we just laid into the Red Sox for about 25 minutes, and that was super, super relieving. But. We're now going to jump into some NBA stuff right now. And once again, if I am your only source of sports news and you wait till the middle of the week every week, which is flattering, but you shouldn't be doing that, then you don't know that around last week it came out that Kyrie Irving is demanding a trade out of Cleveland. And then some stuff was coming out that LeBron said... And, you know, he's demanding a trade. Reportedly, it's because he doesn't want to play with LeBron. He wants to be the focal point of an offense. He wants to be this. He wants to be that. Then some stuff came out that, ooh, LeBron said he'll beat his ass, which then very quickly the other day, LeBron was tweeting that, oh, that's fake news. Hashtag fake news. Not true, which I completely believe because I can't imagine that LeBron would ever say something like that in public or for anybody to hear. But anyway, so basically Kyrie wants out of Cleveland. He doesn't want to play with LeBron. He does. He wants to be his own man. He wants to be the focal point. And kind of has been the theme of this offseason. We get to ask the question again, what is going on in Cleveland? Like, what is going on there, Jackson? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, I don't know either, you know. Um, you know, the way I look at it really is, um, you know, from, from Kyrie Irving's standpoint, I can understand, you know, his request but at the same time, I'm also wondering what other team is going to give him the opportunities that Cleveland is giving him right now. Exactly. And that's it. And so, and so to lose in the finals. Know, but exactly. No, no, no. And, and here's the thing. Just like, so the Golden State Warriors, obviously, I met, we mentioned them a lot. You know, I've mentioned them before. The last them. time I was on the yeah. show, We've, um, they've come up since. There's so so Cleveland. Are they going to amass a team that's going to beat them? No. But if Kyrie leaves, is he going to? build another team that's going to beat them without LeBron? No. no. And that's and that's the deal. So, 
I've you know I've heard of his private demands to move westward. Ideally, he wants to move westward as yeah, far his, away from the east as he can. Yeah, his four his four teams. He's li- I forgot to say this, but the four teams he said that he wants to go to, which doesn't mean anything because he has no he doesn't have a no trade clause. And I've he also heard so doesn't so have a, that I've well, hang on, I've, on, on, so on, he doesn't have a kicker or anything, so the team doesn't have to trade his teams. But the four teams he's supposedly listed are the Timberwolves, the Spurs, the Heat, and who's the last one? Uh, yes, and right before you mentioned them, it'd be the New York Knicks. Yes, uh, the Knicks. Right, so actually, um, you know, obviously there's many different conflicting reports coming out right now, but I've heard that Kyrie doesn't actually want to go to the Knicks. Okay. So I've, I've I mean, heard, all these come with a grain of salt, but sure. Yeah, you know, I know you have to state your sources, and I don't, and I don't have mine right now, but just from what I've read so far, yeah. that Knicks request is not as ingrained as everybody thinks it is. I, I, ideally, ideally, if you're looking at what he wants, I think he wants to go west. Mm-hmm. So that's that, yeah, so that's okay. where I'm focusing okay. my attention on. Right fair now. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, the Heat also in that conversation. But exactly. Sure. Right. sure. Yeah. Sure. But I look at this and it's such, and I keep trying to wrap my head around what I think Cleveland should do. What I think Cleveland will do. And this is such a bizarre situation that they're in now. It is. And mind you, once again, they don't have to trade him. They're not at any... But you look at it, because then, you know, what do they do? If you ask me, there's no way that they can trade him and bring stuff that makes them better back. No. At least with the landscape as it is right now. They probably get at least better in the short term. Now, you can maybe bring back some assets that will make you better in the future. But I'm sure that LeBron James isn't interested in assets. But also... LeBron can opt out at the end of this coming season, leave and go somewhere else, which are lo- which is becoming more and more of a realistic possibility in a lot of people's eyes. So, do the Cavs do they try to appease LeBron? Do they work to try to set things up so he'll be happy and want to stay? Do they go screw LeBron? We need to do what's best for us now and start recouping assets so Cleveland isn't a total dumpster fire. When LeBron leaves, like we're all expecting them to be, seeing as how they have no draft picks besides Kyrie and Caleb, no young players. Do they tr- just try to trade Kyrie and go, screw it, LeBron's going to leave, we need to start getting ready for the future? Or do they try to make a trade to appease him and help them win now, which is a trade that I don't see? And personally, my, my guess is, I think that he doesn't. I think that in the end, the Cavs don't trade him. I think that they wind up keeping him. Now, if this had all come out maybe a month ago, before the draft, or during the draft, which mind you, the reports during the draft, they were trying to trade him, but, you know, you can only take all those with a grain of salt, but, or if this come out at the beginning of free agency, when things, you know, not everything was so set as it is now, maybe I'd say there was a higher chance, but, I don't know, I just can't see them trading him at this point, because I don't think that they're gonna, and I understand he's demanding a trade, and you think that there might be chemistry issues, but it's just... They're not going to make a better team at this point. And the guy, and he still has two years left on his deal. So like he can just, and, and a player option, but you know, assuming that he wants out, we'll take the player option out of the equation, which basically, it, it, honestly, even if he loved Cleveland, the player option would still be out of the equation because he's making $20 million the next two years. It makes $24 million on the player option. And obviously if Kyrie was a free agent right now, he'd be getting more than $20 million. So even if he loved Cleveland, you could basically really always take the player options out of the equation, but whatever. He has two years left on his deal. I don't know. If I'm Cleveland, I just, I don't, I don't think that they train because I don't think that they're going to be able to get the value back. And, you know, you know that this works. 
So, so simply put, they're at a massive fork in the road mm-hmm. if you look at it from their standpoint. Because so you have two, you basically have two options here, right? So you have the Kyrie or LeBron path, mm-hmm. and I think whichever one you bank on could spoil horribly. Because so here, here's what I'll I'll start with first. So Kyrie, right? Mm-hmm. Let's start with keeping Kyrie. Yep. Which also leads us to the LeBron track as well. So let's say they opt to not trade Kyrie. Yep. Well, then that's putting, you know, them back into the equation for to the finals against the Warriors. Do we know what the outcome is? Yes. Uh, somewhat, yes. If these two we, teams go against each other again. We think we, think we know what the outcome is going to be. But to add on to that, then you're putting your – so by not trading – Kyrie, and you're keeping him on the roster. They just picked up Derrick Rose for a steal of a deal, which I yeah, think was... Yeah, I, like, I think it's a good signing, yep. And, but the thing is, uh, with that, by keeping Kyrie with the Cavs, LeBron has a chance to move on mm-hmm. next year. And with many reports saying that that might be the case where he yep. might move on... And if, if they he just sees, go to the finals and, and sees, just get swept. If, exactly, and if he sees no... Out route with the team he has right now, and especially that includes Kyrie staying with the team. Especially it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same team. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not knocking on their side. Like, I think, I think their signing of Derrick Rose is an absolute steal. Oh, good God! But, but I mean, it doesn't. Also, you, know, you look at the it doesn't make them any better than the Warriors. Yeah, no, I don't think it's going to help him in any way. Yeah, and plus so, you look at the dysfunction with the front office so you're back, right now. You're back to square one if you keep Kyrie. You know, you're back to square zero because you have no picks and you have a bunch of old guys. Right, exactly. So, so you're back. You're back where you came from, and oh, you have a you have a you know out of his prime Derrick Rose too. Yeah, Inju- injury real career. And hey, Kyle Korver so, making eight million exactly. a year. So have these. So you have these bum contracts. Yeah, you have no assets, but you got Kyrie back, and you got D you Rose. Know. So that's cool. But guess what? You're gonna lose. A lot. A lot. And And mind you, like, you know, Cleveland, it's kind of felt like they've always accepted that, like, yeah, when this whole LeBron thing ends, we've we've accepted that we're gonna be bad. And that's why I think and that's why I think LeBron in particular is like something like here's here's where Cleveland's kind of in a deadlock. Something's gotta change for LeBron to stay. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. They can't just sit on what they have right now. If they get swept in the finals again. Exactly. So so that's that's Kyrie staying. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kyrie leaving. Also, I do not think in any shape or form they would acquire assets immediately that would make them better. And that's, no. and that's going by players. Because they're in, they have two problems. From a trade perspective, they have no assets to give anyone, so they're not, it's not like they're going to be going and getting back some, some superstar. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. There's many reports saying, oh, well, Eric Bledsoe and uh, Carmelo Anthony, two superstars who could leverage yeah. LeBron. superstars. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I personally just I wouldn't superstar. put them on that level that's going to bring no. you to the level of the Warriors are on. No, op- obviously. Exactly. Yeah. So, so if you trade Kyrie, you know, they're obviously I, – I've, I've read reports that the Cavs were actually – them, they themselves were shocked of the value. As many teams were, and as many people were, just they weren't. They weren't happy themselves with the value that Paul George and Jimmy Butler went for. No, obviously, so they're was. so so for them. They're thinking for Kyrie, and especially in the position that they're in, because they don't have to trade him. They yep. need they need a shipload of an offer to to get yes him off. And to a degree, I guess maybe he's hurt his trade value. By saying this, but honestly, I really don't think it's that much. No, not at all. Because once again, yeah. your Cavs have all the leverage here. Like they can just exactly. not trade him. But and it's but it's a problem. Are you putting your eggs in your basket 
you know, banking of yeah, running the same team exactly, back. and that's the thing. So if if Kyrie if Kyrie stays, my prediction is LeBron leaves. Yeah, I do too. Just because you know you run the same team back and. And with LeBron leaving, you're getting nothing in return. No. And you have Kyrie running the show. And let's not forget here, people. Kyrie says good. he wants it was not very good in the Kyrie and era. You, Kyrie in Cleveland. is he's much he's twice, a much better player. Twice the player. But guess but yeah. what? But guess what? Kyrie's he's that type run. of a player with the bl- the best player in the world right next to him. Yeah, exactly. And I can understand not wanting to play with him to a degree. Like after, yeah, he runs a show. After you know? a while, you know, maybe you want to be the guy to take the shot. But oh, wait a minute, Kyrie did take the game-winning shot when they won the finals. And you know, and a lot of people bring up it being, say, well, if you keep Kyrie, it might be a chemistry issue. They might not play as well next to each other anymore. But you know, what do you think? Ha- what's the bad thing that happens if? What do you think Kyrie might do if? They keep him, but he's like, ooh. I, I mean, I think, you know, as, as people say, it, it's an issue I think can get ironed out if he, if he were to stay. I just think for them and the direction that this team is leaning right now and and the and the, the players that they have and the team that's, mm-hmm. the, that's made up the way it is right now, keeping him just wouldn't – is for them to stay in contention down the road, mm-hmm. keeping him isn't going to help them. No, because but, you know, their, because, window, their window to get better – it's so small, and it, no, and they're, they're it a, passed a month ago. Their, exactly. Their point to get better was when they could have traded for Paul George, could have tried to get Jimmy Butler. But you know what they were doing then? They were firing their GM. <laughs> like they were busy trying to find a GM during the off season. So the window to get better has passed, and none of those ideas really ever involved trading Kyrie. It was all you know. Maybe you move Kevin. You try to see if you can move some of these other terrible pieces. It's it's a it's it's a they're they're in a very sticky situation yeah, but anyway, right anyway, now. Back to the back not... to the on sorry it's back to the on court product. But and a lot of the reason I think that it would work still if you kept them is you know you might think oh well what if Kyrie wants to be his own guy and he's with LeBron what's he gonna do is he gonna be a dick on the court is he not gonna pass the ball is he gonna take too many shots you want to hear a fun stat about Kyrie Irving Kyrie Irving took the sixth most shots in the league last year you know how many you know where LeBron ranked on that list. Uh, Pretty far down. 15. Look, Kyrie took 20 shots per game last year. So I don't think that suddenly because he because now LeBron, because now he's mad at LeBron, he's going to suddenly start taking, what, 25 a game? Like, I think that even if he did do that at first, he'd do that for a couple of games and then go, okay, this is dumb. I shouldn't be taking 25 shots a game. Westbrook took 24 this year. Right. And he had to carry that team. So but I don't the, but the thing is, you know, I don't think it'll be an this message issue. The, the message that he sent and I know it was a, it was a private conversation that he had with Dan Gilbert, mm-hmm. the Cavaliers owner. Um if I think so the I look at the Cavs as as LeBron's team and appeasing LeBron and, yeah. and the way and the way he runs things kind of go it just all goes through him. For for Kyrie to to de- I, w- I wouldn't say demand this, but but privately asked to be traded still tells me that he's telling LeBron, I don't want to be in your system. Yeah. And that's a problem for it me. Is. Oh, it's a huge because problem. Because next year, if he were to stay, LeBron still knows deep down that, yeah, they, may be, they, you know, they might be playing for a championship right now, but he knows darn well that Kyrie's yeah. not buying into mm-hmm. what he's trying to do. Oh, but don't worry. LeBron's came out and said that, I'm not going to get in the way of them, of the negotiations. I'm going to step aside. Right. I'm going to let them handle this. And, and, then, he was, and he was largely hands off for the entire, you know, mo- mo- free agency as well. And, well, you know, 
There yeah. weren't any, there weren't there any was, crazy contracts. There was nothing for them to but, do. But, but I think I think Derrick Rose, and this is this is uh, this is way off track a little bit. That's um, good signing. Yeah, I know, but I think I think it's a solid backup plan for them yeah. right now. And I think like yeah, it, well, it, not a back. Well, if Kyrie leaves and. That I don't like Derrick Rose as a starter, but as their you know sixth, seventh guy off the bench. But, I, but I, for what? But for what they got him for? Yeah. Oh, it's a good deal. You, know, you gotta. Yeah. You oh. gotta like that at least. No, I like. It. I think it's a good signing. But okay. And then here's another scenario, though. Say that the Cavs do decide that they want to go the appease LeBron route. Another thing that I've kind of heard thrown around is maybe, maybe you trade Kyrie, and you trade Kevin, you bring in. Probably more assets than players, but then you set yourself up where next offseason you can go like, hey, LeBron, like, this year kind of sucked, but, like, hey, now we have a ton of cap space. You can pick who you want to play with. Like, just sign whoever you want, and then maybe that stops him. It probably doesn't because, you know, then he has magic calling him and going like, hey, LeBron, we also have a ton of cap space and actual young assets that are tradable. And Paul George wants to come here. You should come here instead and live in L.A. Where you really, and LeBron loves L.A. His whole life is based in L.A. when he's not in Cleveland. But, you know, maybe that's the route they could go. It's just, it's such a bizarre situation because, yeah, they're the second best team in the NBA deciding that maybe they just need to blow every single thing up. And in part of that, you know who we can bring the blame to this back to? Just because I love harping on the guys, uh, is Kevin Durant. For just, oh, yes. For just screwing up the league. Because when do you ever see the second best team in the league just being, like, upset? Like, just... I Not upset, but just, like, doesn't even feel like they should try. <laughs> like, them running back the team that went to the finals last year, like, ah, well, you're just signing up to lose again. That's nothing. But it's such a tough situation. But since I like to try to keep things somewhat focused on geographically, conversation going now is... Should the Celtics be in on Kyrie Irving? And personally, I think that there's almost a 0% chance that that could happen for a couple of reasons. Because, you know, one, any trade for Kyrie would supposedly would involve IT, which I'd be fine with. I don't think that the gap between IT and Irving is as big as a lot of people try to make it out to be. I don't think that Kyrie Irving is such a better player than IT that, you know, as much as some people like to think. But, you know, he's younger he is better. You have him under contract for at least two years. So, theoretically, I'd be okay with some permutation of that swap. But, A, the assets that it would take just in a completely level playing field with just every team doesn't know each other, I guess is a way to put it. The assets it would take that Cleveland would want would be too much. Like, one trade I see is IT, Crowder, Brooklyn pick. Do you do that? Well... You know, I'll uh, just I'll answer, say, answer, oh, that but, uh, answer that question. Quick. Okay. Yes. Well, I, I I wouldn't do it right off the bat, but but the Brooklyn pick is becoming more and more entertaining to me because they're improving as a team way more than they looked last year. They're not as big as a dumpster fire as they were last year. So that pick, I think it's it's very I I like I like putting my my bet into that pick saying is not going to be okay a top. Five pick. Okay, we can get this year. But, okay. but I know, I know, that, I'm getting, I know, I'm getting very far ahead of myself when I say okay. that. But, but, well, I think but, that's ridiculous. Thing is, but, but, yep. but, but, you know, with the roster that they've that they've built this off season, mm-hmm. I 
really don't think they're they're a guaranteed number one pick anymore, and that's and that's where I look at. We can evaluate the Nets later, but I just want to get back to this, and we can't talk about it in a little bit because I have some thoughts on that because something else actually happened last night. But yeah, breaking Nets takes to give you later. But the I can't wait till we don't have to talk about the Nets all the time anymore. By the way, because it's kind of sad. But anyway. In a vacuum, supposedly that might be enough to get it done. And I wouldn't want them to trade that many assets. But then also you get to the point where also now you're adding on to it's Cleveland. And you're supposedly trading your second best player to the second best team in your conference. That's also gotten better. So that they'll probably just, by nature of that, want more. Just because, you know, they want to really feel like they're fleecing themselves. Because they're not going to give themselves a deal. They're going to want to get as much out of them as possible to the point where they're like, okay, like... We helped them, but also they didn't get that much better, so we still feel comfortable. So I just, I just don't think that there's a scenario where this deal could happen. Well, they've, uh, they've made it known that they want to be kept in the mix, and I think that's, that's acceptable to say. Oh, I mean, I don't blame uh, them because, for tr- because, because I think you got to involve yourself exactly. when a star player comes. That's exactly. why you hoard the, you hoard the assets, so that way, you know, when a Kyrie Irving, or hopefully in the future, when an Anthony Davis, or when a star player becomes a malcontent and You've wants to get the wolf out, behind you. you can go in and get the guy. That's why you hoard these assets. But yeah, anyway, continue. I think, um, no, I think, I think for, for the, uh, the trade scenario that they brought up for possibly Kyrie landing on the Celtics, I just think is, is something I don't need to see happen because if we're talking from a statistical standpoint, IT yep. was actually better than Kyrie in almost every area yep. last year, defensively and offensively. Yeah, no, and that, that's why I don't, Put the gap, and, and it's all. And I know, and I know it's well, more of a fit than I, I think. I think it, you know, b- taking on the leadership role he did last year and yep. the year before too. Yeah. Um. It, I just think you know he could. He had the ability to produce those numbers. Yep. And I think he's just a better fit for the for the organization. And I yeah. think that Kyrie. And even if I think that Kyrie is a better player, the amount of assets that they'll have to give up. It would be a negative. Exactly. On top yeah. of it, you're not, you're not, you know, yeah. you're not upgrading that much. No, you're not upgrading. You're getting like, a younger what, player. Yeah, but once you know you get rid of Jay Crowder time, and right, some valuable exactly. picks, like then you're, yeah, then you're kind of screwing yourself. But yeah, and you're right because I say it because I don't think it's as big an upgrade. People like you know sometimes they put the blinders on and people don't realize how bad Kyrie is on the defensive side of the ball. He's terrible. He's a terrible, and Isaiah is a terrible defender also. And but actually, that, it was better than yeah, Kyrie statistically. On, on the ball. And you can last make the year. argument that, like, at least Kyrie is the size of an NBA player, so maybe he could get better. Like, there's no defensive upside with IT. There's none with no, not at all. There's none with Kyrie, but at least he's six three, so maybe. But yeah, just what you'd have to give up, and also, yeah, we saw what happened when Kyrie was the number one guy. It didn't work out. He took. More shots per game than Isaiah last year. And and I've been hiding these shots per game stats from you all week. Because this is my one big thing. Yeah, Isaiah took the seventh most shots in the league last year. Kyrie took the sixth. So, it's an upgrade. Like, I'm not going to be some homer and say, oh, well, IT is a better player than Kyrie. Because it's an upgrade as a player. And from an asset perspective also, just with the age. And also with the injury issues with... People worrying about Isaiah's hip. Now, mind you, Ainge came out today and said that Isaiah will not need hip surgery, which is great to hear. But still, yeah, obviously, you know, Kyrie will prop Kyrie will be playing at a high level after Isaiah's done playing at a high level, I imagine. So, but yeah, it's just they'd have to give up too much. That I just I don't I don't mind. Obviously, the Celtics should be pursuing this 
aggressively, but I just not a deal I think I would like to see happen. No, and I'll I'll completely agree on that as well. I think um, just you know if you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers and and what's going on right now, I believe that giving Kyrie to the East is just not a yeah. good not a good situation for not, both teams. And they're so. gonna want so much more exactly. for him by nature of that. That's just gonna bring the. And I've seen so I I mean I've um the they've been reporting the last couple of days that there's a deal in place. And I believe it might be the one that I'm going to mention right now that I that I heard today. Okay, um, that was the next question. Twitter, what deal do you think happens? So good, good. Um, so it would involve the Knicks and Phoenix. Okay, um, which would have Kyrie being dealt to the New York Knicks, and I know that this was a team that I that I talked about a few minutes ago and said that it wasn't even a destination for him. Um, but he would end up there along but with Tyson Chandler, along with Tyson Zara, who actually, if you remember, played for the next couple years ago. Um, he's in Phoenix right now, grabbing rebounds for them. Uh, so he'd be traded with his enormous contract, uh, along with Kyrie to the New York Knicks, um, who would trade Mello to the Cavs. Phoenix Suns would trade Eric Bledsoe to the Cavs. And what does Phoenix get in return? Well, they get Frank... Tilkenta from the Knicks. Yep. And I believe... Uh, what did you say? Was from the Kevin Love? Yes, Kevin Love from the Cavaliers. Yeah, that trade's terrible. <laughs> that trade is so bad for the Cavs. Like, it, so in the end of that trade, the Cavs go from having Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love to... Well, now you got well, the, the last the last week or so. Now you got I've Bledsoe, seen, LeBron, and so, Mello. So Mello's always been linked... To the, the Mello's been linked to the Cavs for a while yeah, now. hop on the banana boat, yep. Exactly. Uh, Bledsoe has emerged as a prospect in the last week or so, who, mind you, is a pretty solid player uh, in the NBA right now. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're looking from an upgrade standpoint, <laughs> getting rid of Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving and replacing him with Eric Bledsoe and Mello and Mello, it might appease LeBron because you know Eric Bledsoe shares the same agent as LeBron, and he's boys with Carmelo. Well, you know that's great and all, yeah, but, but is I think it even like LeBron. I don't think so. No, I think LeBron knows. I don't think LeBron's going to put on the blinders and go like, oh, we got mellow? We got mellow? This is fun. I'm going to stay here forever. Now I'm going to retire with the Cavs. And I, like, I think LeBron knows that that's worse. Unless LeBron's actually an idiot. Unless LeBron plays my GM and gives out max deals to like, I don't know, somebody bad. I can't think of any players right now. <laughs> and thinks the team's going to be great. But I don't um, think... And then, I, and then I've heard uh, Minnesota Timberwolves are largely in the mix um, to possibly land Kyrie. I don't know if this was the other big trade that they're talking about, um, but, but it would include Andrew Wiggins, who, mind you, was drafted to the Cavaliers which a couple years fun. ago, which I don't was think traded to the Timberwolves for Kevin, for Kevin Love, which I don't think that the Timberwolves would be willing to do per se. I think that they want to, I mean, obviously cat is off the table, but I don't think that they'd be willing to move on from Wiggins. I think that they think very highly of him. Mind you, his contract is coming up, so maybe they're afraid of overpaying him because they don't think he's developed nicely, but I think that they'd be into keeping him. It's just they kind of already made their big move. Well, it, I think, uh, yeah. And, uh, they and, already yeah, and Jimmy Butler was a big splash this offseason, but for what they got him with, and I think pulling the trigger on an elite-level point guard that you have in Kyrie Irving, I think would benefit them more than what they have in Wiggins right now. And I know I understand Wiggins is a long-term project, and I, he's played extremely uh, last yeah, year. This is, is last yeah. season was extremely great. But you also know, this young in his career. But I think if you're looking at 
just the the pieces that mm-hmm. fit together on that team. Grabbing a guy like Kyrie Irving right now is going to bolster your yep. entire lineup better than what you have in Wiggins. If you're looking long term, I think the Timberwolves would be stupid to trade away Wiggins right now. But I think it's it's, it's up to them. It's up to them, and I think the price that the probably the Cavaliers would want would be much more than just yeah. Wiggins. And also an issue with that trade is that they just signed Jeff Teague to a decent-sized contract, and they can't trade him until December. So that would be another caveat to it. It's just, like I said, it's just things are so set now. Like, teams are, like, where they are. They can't trade a lot of these guys for a couple of months that they've signed. And it's just, I still think there's a scenario where they can make a trade that they get their value out of, really. It's just not really a good scenario for them. So I just, I think that Kyrie stays. Maybe he moves at the deadline. Obviously, all these things change again. Right, and I, I think that's another option, too. But, you know, just going back to what I was saying about him staying, if LeBron decides to walk, which I think he would if Le- if Kyrie were to Yeah, stay, if they just run the same team you, back. And you, they get- but you run into the same situation that you had stars like Paul George this summer saying, I'm not going to be playing for you guys next year. And yeah. then that puts the Cavs in a situation, you know, saying, well, we got to get rid of this guy because, you know, he's not going to be here. And, you know, may as well just get something But then again, at least if LeBron leaves, he gets to be his own man again. And seemingly that's what he wants. Right. But you got but, nothing for him because he just left. Yeah. But then you have Kyrie well, now saying, yeah, I mean, he's already stated before that if LeBron left, he would, he'd be out of there as well. Has he? Because I don't remember that. And I would imagine that all that's kind of changed now. seems like. And that, no, and, that, and, many people, just, and many people said that when he first, you know, when the first, uh, you know, the leak came out about his trade request. Most, many people were harping on the fact that said, oh, well, you know, this means he thinks LeBron's going to leave. Yeah. But seemingly he doesn't want to be with LeBron. And I'll ask you this, because we were kind of like perusing an ESPN article about this before he came on. Who do you, just not even just for the Kyrie, just for the entire mess of Cleveland, who do you, who do you blame for this? Like out of, like out of, I've, out I've, of, you know, the out of Gilbert, LeBron, Kyrie, Cleveland's front office. Like who do you, who's to blame for like, this mess. So is this Tyron Lou? Is Ty is Tyron Lou the culprit behind all this? No, I I you know, and I I don't think Kyrie, I don't to? think Kyrie's to blame for any of this mess. I think it's no. the front office of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, report came out from Chauncey Billups. Um, it was yesterday, I believe, with him saying when he was interviewing, you know, looking into becoming uh, the GM of the team, that he completely understood why Kyrie would want to trade. And yeah, he, and he. And he saw something there that made him say, yeah, besides the low ball offer they gave him on a contract, but he saw something, you know, in his own eyes and said, yeah, you know, I'm not really liking this right now. And I think, you know, a situation like that, when it, when it just develops to where it's, it's gotten, the front office needs to be more proactive in, in smoothing yeah. things out. And it's not the front office really there because they don't really have a front office in the traditional but but by firing, I think to me it comes to to me, it all goes to the owner. Really, all this kind of goes to Dan Gilbert, who you know seemingly is always kind of unwilling to go into the luxury tax, so that who just is really good at pissing off LeBron, and if you piss off LeBron, then you have the threat of him leaving, and LeBron's the only reason that guys are coming here at all. Nobody's coming to Cleveland without LeBron being there. And I think that, in the end, like, that's what screws you, is if you're making LeBron, which I'm not saying, like, oh, you have to make LeBron happy after just want to rant about the Red Sox being children, but you have to keep LeBron happy or he'll leave. And they know that he'll leave. He's done it before. 
And you know, if if he leaves twice and the organization kind of managed to drive him off twice, who can you blame besides the owner? Who can you blame besides right. Dan Gilbert? Right. Yeah. Or Kevin Durant. But ownership. But it all comes. But, but, but well, I wouldn't. Well, that's silly yeah, to say ownership. Yeah. No, no. The, it's I just, Dan Gilbert. It's a trickle. It's it's really a trickle down effect, and it starts with Dan Gilbert. Yeah. It's just I I I'm, I know he's the one who writes the checks. I'm remiss to say it's then the front office because the front office is LeBron. Like, so it kind of just trickles straight down from Gilbert to like the number two guy in that organization is LeBron. With most with every other team, you go yeah, it goes down to the front office, then to the coach, then the star players, but. In this specific situation, it's Gilbert then trickles down to LeBron, who then tells them who to hire for the front office, who to hire for the coach, what players to bring in. He's the one making the calls. It just, I don't know. I blame him specifically. I do. It kind of all comes down to him for me. So, I don't know. That's the situation there. Anyway, we spent a lot of time on this. So, we're going to move on to um the next thing. We're going to move on to a little, uh, we're coming up to, we're at the top of the 5 o'clock hour now. The Red Sox are up 4-0 at the uh, the top of the 5th, if you're not watching right now. is up right now. Anyway, we are going to move on to our next segment. It's something me and Jackson have been workshopping. We are coming on to the first ever stadium experience, uh, three-point stance Patriots training camp preview. And basically what we've both done is me and Jackson have both collected just uh, just a set of three points, really, three either concerns for the team or just things to watch with the team. Training camp obviously starts tomorrow. Me and Jackson are going to be trying to attend one of these days this week. So, yeah, basically we both have three points written down. We're just going to go one to one. We're each going to give one. And just, once again, these are these aren't necessarily all concerns, but they're concerns or just things to watch for in Patriots training camp that relate to the team and how it comes. And these were, you know, these were kind of hard to come up with for both of us. Can you agree with that, Jackson? Yeah, they were. I mean, just because this team, you know, it's loaded. It just, this is a loaded team. So it's kind of hard to find concerns, but I'm capable of finding negativity anywhere. So I think I was able to. So anyway, we'll start. Uh, Jackson, you start. Do you have your list written up? Uh, why don't you go first? Just to, okay. Just I'll bring to up kick my, it off. Kind of my, uh, my first, you know, I guess this, this one is a concern. The first thing I worry about with this team is the O-line depth. And a lot of more people a lot of people are much more set on this line for me. For a long time I've been saying that I'm concerned about the interior of the O-line, just the starting interior. I don't have the utmost confidence in David Andrews, Joe Thune, and Shaq Mason, but a lot of other people do. I guess that I can agree I guess I can buy into the they'll also be better year two, obviously. Well, Thune will be year two. The other two have had a couple years to develop. Obviously, the team's confident in them. So I guess that I'll be willing to look past that. Even though they got wrecked in the Super Bowl, the interior of the O-line was absolutely ruined in the Super Bowl. That was one of the reasons that they were had to get down where they were able to get down. But I'll, I'll remiss and I'll just I'll agree with it. But I won't. Beyond that, though, the depth still does scare me for this team. I mean, who are the guys that they have coming off the bench now? They have also on a line that's fairly injury prone. I mean, you know, Nate Solder is no Iron Man. He's had his own issues. Obviously, his own battles with cancer and his battles with other injuries. So I'm not blaming him, but he's been hurt a couple of times. Marcus Cannon looks solid. He hasn't really gotten hurt lately, but Mason's been hurt before. And, you know, O-linemen, they're going to get hurt. Like, no matter how tough they are, like, you're going to have injuries on the O-line, and for a team that, you know, their success will be by how well they can protect Brady. Because as long as you can protect Brady for three seconds, anything can happen. But they do have a little bit of a concern there. And just guys that come off the bench, I don't know, what do you... 
I don't have a lot of confidence in Liadrian Waddle. They drafted two tackles, one of them being Antonio Garcia, but he's seen as being a project. They just, they don't really, I am worried, like, what will happen. Oh, Fleming, Cameron Fleming played tight end half the time. I'm not super confident in him. I, oh, perfect. <laughs> bring something up my screen I was about to bring up. So it's just, that's like kind of my, that's one big concern I have with the team. Because if the O-line breaks down, you can have a similar situation to 2013 against the Broncos. When they were just getting beat up. Or last year's AFC Championship game against the Broncos. Where they couldn't protect Brady. And he was getting beat up. So, the O-line depth, the starting lineup personally concerns me, but a lot of people it doesn't. But I think all Patriots fans should be, to some degree, concerned about the O-line depth. And something I think they could do for that is, I've been saying this forever, I so desperately want to see the Patriots sign Nick Mangold. <laughs> like, I want water, I want this team to sign Nick Mangold. If anything, I think it would be a good fit. I still don't. I'm still not super confident in Andrews, but they gave him the extension. So clearly they are. But wouldn't it? Oh, my God. It would be what I'm getting with David Harris times two. I just want to see it, honestly. And it would fill a big need for this team. So the O-line depth is something that I'm really interested in seeing this team address. And I don't know. That's something for me. So, Jackson, do you have, um, do you have any takes on that? Or do you have your first point? Uh, I'll move on to my first point, which is... Are we going to see the 07 Patriots reemerged this year? Okay. I, don't know. I mean, is that where you t- Okay. So you, you want to hop right into 19 and 0 talk? Uh, well, not specifically like that. I just think um, more specifically what I want to watch this training camp um, and, you know, perhaps the rest of the preseason as well is a big, you know, probably the biggest name that the Patriots brought in this offseason, Brandon, Brandon Cooks. Sure. Yep. Um, who I've heard many people describe as maybe the next Randy Moss for the Patriots. Well, I don't now now I understand he's only five ten and okay. he doesn't and he can't, you know, quite get up there like Moss used to, but you can't deny the speed that this guy oh, has. Oh, he's an and, absolute burn. And, they haven't had something that, something's I mean, cooking in New England. They definitely right now. haven't had an element of speed like that exactly. since, since Andrew Hawkins. Sorry, I mean Randy Moss. Oh. <laughs> they haven't had an element of speed <laughs> in this offense. Since Randy Moss. And the comparisons, they're obvious. He's a big name receiver that they're bringing. So everybody's going to be like, oh, well. Right. And, it's just, and it's just they've never, they've never quite had a receiver like Cooks in, since, since that era. No, and they haven't. So obviously, so that's something he's going to add a huge element. It's just the depth that these guys have at the receiver position. Yeah, oh, my and, God. Like. And, and a point about this off about this offseason that I've been hearing brought up lately that I didn't realize, that's actually a good point, is that Belichick has been treating this offseason like they lost the Super Bowl. And that's obviously the right approach because they they lost that game. Like, for all intents and purposes, you shouldn't be going, oh, well, you know, we didn't play so well, but we also had the best comeback, most improbable comeback ever, so I think we're fine. Like, he's been treating this offseason like they lost that game, which is the right approach because they went into that game obviously thinking like, oh, we're just going to run the football. But then what happened? They weren't able to run the football. LeGarrette Blount was a tub of goo. Like he's always been. So what do they do? They went and signed like 60,000 running backs that can do everything. And also during the game, they were having trouble playing kind of their within the 15-yard game that they love to play. That's their bread and butter. Because they were just coming up on them and they weren't really able to do a lot offensively for most of the game. So what do they do? What do you do when 
the teams are committing their defense to guarding you within 15 yards. We do. You bring in a guy like Brandon Cooks, who will absolutely stretch the field, who will open things up for you down under. And that's just a point I heard brought up that I really like. And in retrospect, that's what he did. Belichick's and, it's, been... and it's not only that; it's just the different lineup combinations that exactly. they have going on from. But um, that brings up my, I guess, my final point with this is, is yes, I'd like to, you know, witness what's going to happen this year uh, with the additions that this team has brought in, and more specifically Brandon Cooks because I'm talking about the receiver core here. But uh, with, you know, the depth that they have, mm-hmm. you know, is there going to be a little leeway for maybe somebody to make the roster spot, you know? I'm, uh, I'm, uh, so I'm, one guy I'm looking at right now is Malcolm Mitchell, who I mm-hmm. think was, was – was great for them down the stretch last Lights year. Lights out in the Super Bowl. Um, it's just a question of whether he's going to be healthy for the start of the season. Oh, he'll be. Um, healthy. He's healthy as now. Yes, but he's a no. He's a tough. I'm not right, worried about right, the health right, of right. Mitchell. But, but we'll see. Um, I know Andrew Hawkins was was the name that that could have <laughs> that could have let's get some uh, Andrew Hawkins <laughs> takes right now. You knew I was going to put him in there. But um, yeah, I just think. Um, with that being said, um, is there is there maybe a chance that a guy like Boston Carr could come in and and uh, and you know fight for a job during camp and and possibly win that and and make the final team roster. I mean, no, Mitchell, I'm not concerned with injuries because he's proven that even like I was at the first preseason game, I saw him get his first catch. I was like, that's Malcolm Mitchell. That's reading Rainbow. That's a guy who can't read. Let's go, Malcolm Mitchell. Good for him. And then he got hurt, and I was like, oh, well, the elbow went out, and he's gonna be gone the whole year. And then the next practice. He had the elbow brace on. He played the whole year with it. So he's obviously a very tough player. I'm not worried about that with him. He showed in the Super Bowl that it doesn't get to him. I mean, what, he was, what, I think he had seven receptions in the second half of the Super Bowl, yeah, something was... like that. So the development yeah. of Malcolm Mitchell, because guys usually make their big jump between year one and year two. I think that like people might, aren't really talking about, because obviously because of Brandon Cooks coming in and what that could do for the offense, but also... The development of Malcolm Mitchell, I think, will also be a big thing for this offense. So he's a player who I'm very excited to see. I think that like just just the development of Malcolm Mitchell will be interesting for this team. And you know, ooh, Andrew Hawkins, but this team will probably carry five, technically six receivers because you know they'll carry Cooks, Edelman, Mitchell, Hogan, Amendola, and then Slater. But you know, Slater barely counts. But then yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, it's a special team. But there's a lot of competition at the there's really a lot of competition at all the skill positions I say so it's then you but then you look at the running back committee so do you see you know they brought in Burkhead they brought in Lewis they extend I mean they brought in Burkhead they brought in Gillisley which I love that was my best case scenario was Mike Gillisley they br- they extended James White so does a guy like does Deion Lewis not make the roster who's been dynamic when he's played, but obviously he's had the injury issues. He got hurt again in the Super Bowl, but he can also return. He had the three touchdowns in the Texans playoff game. Is he a guy that goes, or maybe do we see Brandon Bolden? I don't know. It's, it's all depending on what direction they want to go in with the running game. And I know that's, that's very hard to say right now because you never know with Belichick and his running backs. Um, uh-huh. But but like you have you have Burkhead who's who's an all around guy yeah um, can catch passes can run the ball also can play on Gilles, special Gilles, teams Gillisley is what I would you know he wasn't well he's not as as like you know more of a power runner like Blount was but, but he'll be the power if anybody's yeah. gonna be the if power anyone's guy. just gonna run the ball it's gonna be Gillisley yeah. and then you have 
White, who is a pass catcher. Yep. And then you have Lewis, who is also an all-around guy. So it's really, it's really all depending on you know what they what they what they want to do. Yeah. How and many think, how many running backs think, they want to carry? And I think um, if I had to pick a guy who might be, you know, on the block to get cut, it would be Bolden. Yeah, and I agree with that because you know Bolden's for a long time been one of those guys who seems like no matter what happens, the team just doesn't get rid of him because of the special teams contribution. But Rex Burkhead in Cincinnati was also a special teams guy. He was one of the, I think he was their one one of, if not their best special teams player. And not just as a returner, but as a gunner, as just an all-around special teams guy. He was one of their guys there. So, yeah, I could agree that I, and I want Deion Lewis to make the roster because I just love what he provides when he plays. He's one of my favorite guys to watch play on this team. I've always loved him since like the second he started in that Steelers game. I went nuts as soon as he started playing. Became a thing at my school. But anyway, yeah, I just would like to see Lewis stay. Also, for what he can give in the return game, I just, I would rather see Lewis make the roster than Bolden. That's no hate to Bolden, but also I don't think this team is going to carry six receivers and five running backs. That's 11 roster spots to skill position players, then carry three quarterbacks. Like they haven't done in a while, too. Yeah, exactly, and then they probably carry three tight ends. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what, another thing I want to get into, too. You have to carry too. three tight ends. That's yeah. another thing I want to get into, too. So my my uh, my second stance right nice, here. Nice, nice. Yeah, that was one stance. People, we've gotten through one of each of our stances, points in the stance. Anyway, continue. Um, is that third tight end? Because, you know, given the history, injury history of Rob Gronkowski, and uh, I think Dwayne Allen coming in was another great step that was up a good for move, them. Yep. Great move for them. It's a downgrade um, from Bennett, just, but you were going to lose exactly, him. exactly. But it's it's just a question of um, who's going to be that third guy, and then if Gronk happens to go down, you know, just the the ripple effect that that has yeah. at that position. Because I think you know you got two names in mind. You got Lengel, who was there last year, and then you get yep. O'Sanasi, um from the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I think if you're looking at more of a traditional tight end role, then Lengel's your guy. Yeah. But Osanasi has great experience in special teams, which again they value a lot. They value there. a lot there. And I think if you're looking from like a contribution standpoint, he might be a guy who's gonna um help the help them more in more areas. Yeah. I will say with this team, I think that the Patriots are more concerned with how their third tight end can help them offensively than maybe a lot of other teams would be just because of A, the Patriots have a lot of guys who can contribute on special teams, and B, they just they need Langle to be ready to be the number two tight end at any time, really. So I would say that Langle would be the guy that they're not going to really stress his ability to contribute on special teams as much as he can contribute on offense, just because what you just need to be ready for Gronk going down. And especially if he does now, with Dwayne Allen not being the caliber of tight end that Martellus Bennett was. And Dwayne Allen is still a good player. It was a good addition for the team, but... Well, if Gronk, God forbid, was to go down for the year, we'd see more Langle than we saw last year with Bennett on the field. Just because, once again, Bennett was much more dynamic than Dwayne Allen is. So, yeah, I just see, I think Langle makes a team. I think that they just stick with their guy there. But my second point now is something to watch for a little interesting thought just to remind us that, you know, Belichick's not perfect. Is uh, I think we see a couple of recent second round picks are going to be on the roster bubble here. Obviously, in his time here, as good as Belichick's been as a coach, his drafting has always been a little spotty, and he's always, he's never really been the greatest in the second round. Obviously, you have, you know, a guy like Jamie Collins, but for every guy like Jamie Collins, you kind of have these two guys. A, you have 
the one who I think would be more likely to really be on the bubble. Well, I'll, no, go with the one who's less likely to really be on the bubble. Cyrus Jones, who they picked last year. He sucked. He was bad. He was graded out as one of the worst return men in football. He fumbled a lot, and he basically did not play at all, wasn't active at all in the playoffs. He himself has come out and said that he barely even wants his ring. He doesn't count himself as being part of the team last year. He was bad last year. And I don't think that the team would cut bait with a second-round pick one year in. I I mean, they have reasons that they draft him, so I don't think that Cyrus Jones is out. But, you know... They're not set at corner, but they have got, you know, obviously they have Butler, you know, the first three corners, obviously they have Butler, Gilmore, and Rowe, and then, you know, the team was talking to Brandon Flowers the other day, who I'd love to see them sign, by the way, I would love to see that, I love Brandon Flowers, but Brandon Flowers could be the guy to bring him, you know, if that cornerback room suddenly becomes a little more crowded, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they were to suddenly just pull the plug on the Cyrus Jones experiment, which I think is less, I don't think that happens, but... Could. It wouldn't shock me. But then, another guy who I think way more likely could actually be on the bubble is Jordan Richardson, who was another second-round pick of theirs, I believe, two years ago in 2015. I believe, yeah, I believe it was a 2015 second-round pick. He was kind of a guy who they seemed like they kind of were hoping could develop into the third safety, but that was kind of taken by Deron Harmon, who has been a guy for them. And also Justin Coleman was playing. They have Ebner. So, you know, Jordan Clark, Jordan Clarkson, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Richardson could be a guy who else think could be on the bubble. And it would just kind of, you know, it would be a quick little reminder, you know, it's been a great off season, but it's not perfect. I don't know. So that's just something to kind of look for. A couple of second round D-backs who haven't made the mark. Anyway, what's up? What's your second point, Jackson? Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm getting my three-point stance right now. Uh, so my final point right here, um, and this shouldn't really come uh, as a shocker to many, um, we're looking at the kicking game right now, and the mm-hmm. name that comes to mind is uh, Steven Gostowski. So let's not forget, um, as many people remember, the extra point attempt that could have been two years ago in the AFC Championship game those, against, yep. against the Denver Broncos. I I really just didn't see him recover from that uh, last season. I mean, he just wasn't he wasn't as no. automatic as he's normally no. been. No, and he and, uh, even and that's on, a problem when you're paying somebody. Points. And that's a problem when you're paying a guy like that that money. Specialists have a very short leash in the NFL, and especially a guy who is older, is demanding. You know, needs more money because he's been there longer. And obviously, you know, Gostowski's had a you know tremendous career and has been you know as automatic as you can get from, um, you know, f- from his attempts. But it becomes a real problem when you know you have a guy who steps up there and saying, you know, you're saying to yourself, you know, is he gonna make this? And um, you know, you look at the other specialists as well. You have uh, Cardona as a long snapper, and then uh, Allen in, the, in there as a punter. Um, those guys, they haven't been given any competition for this camp, and and also Gostowski hasn't been any, given any competition. So I think that was a good move by not yeah. not jumping not the gun, not jumping the gun so much, um, and you know pulling in you know an undrafted rookie or you know a, a vet um, to put in uh, as competition for him at camp, because I think for him he just needs to you know simmer down a little bit, and we'll see how this year goes, but if he's off to a shaky start, I think his leash will be cut. And 
we'll hear the end of him because let's not forget, you know, Blair Walsh last year with the Vikings before he's moved on to the Seahawks this year had a bit of a similar situation with him missing that, you know, possible game winning field goal against the Seahawks in the playoffs and then didn't really have a great start with the Vikings and was, you know, really inconsistent. And uh, they just cut him loose. And, you know, if Gustavsky's going to do that this year, I think they're doing a great job by still giving him the opportunity to kick. But if he's going to miss, he's gone. And I think yeah. and I think he's a guy to look, you know, look for a training camp because if he's shaky, like, you know, some of these guys can get in a situation like that. He just needs to prove that last year was a fluke mm-hmm. and he's over, he has misses, and he can be as consistent mm-hmm. as he used to be. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, I can't picture, no matter how shaky he's feeling, that he has problems in camp that show themselves in camp. And it's not because, because you know, you know, for for the you know large amount, you're just by yourself, and everything's yeah, different. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think he's gonna have. He we're not gonna see him have line. problems in camp or even in preseason games. We're not gonna see that. But I could agree that if he has trouble again this year, I could definitely see them certainly bring him in competition next year, or even cutting him loose at the start of the year, like. I mean, uh, the, I don't it think happens. I, it happens. I, this, it happens. There's not a better option out there right now, and with the money they have invested in him, I would, I imagine it they'll ride out the year because it wasn't glaring. Because I think that we kind of, as Patriots fans, were just used to seeing perfect kicking, but that's not the reality for everybody. But yeah, I could, I, I say that they ride. I mean, I imagine it they'll ride the year out with him. But yeah, if they see the problems, then they'll probably. Definitely look for other options next offseason. Or maybe he adjusts to the new PATs, which I don't really understand why that mess. And the, and the kickoffs as well, too. The uh, kickoffs are actually better. I believe that his stats remain consistent on kickoffs. But people were saying that, oh, maybe he's kicking it off differently. And that's because he's trying to get right, it you know, right, within right, the five. Right, but that's right. affecting his PATs. The kickoffs were fine. The kickoffs weren't a problem. But there were some rumblings that maybe having to kick off differently was affecting his ability to... I wouldn't really. And it shouldn't be. I think it's a little far fetched because you get your steps right with the kickoffs and everything. You know, if once you get your steps right with your kickoffs, it should be no real adjustment to ground kicks and field goals. I think, I think it's it's a little far fetched for people to say that his struggles were blamed because of his. No, and it's stupid. That was a stupid. That was something that people were saying. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, I could see them. They didn't bring. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't bring competition. This but I think I think it's great for Belichick having trust in his kicker because yeah. it's just it's just something you need to have now. Yeah, especially with the amount of money you have invested in him. So that could be something. Anyway, though, that wraps up the first ever uh, three point stance training camp preview. We are going to once again. It is five twenty one right now. We're going to take a, another quick break. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on ninety point seven WXIN. Jackson Reaper is here with me right now. We are going to, once again, take another quick break, and we'll be right back with some more uh, takes on the Red Sox, maybe some NBA stuff, maybe even some more NFL stuff. We'll get to discuss that in a break. But anyway, though, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. When you're playing pickup basketball and someone tries to make you feel bad about calling a foul, remember, it's okay to call a foul. Don't let anyone make you feel ashamed. They know what they did. Okay, class, let's all sing our 911 song. There's a fire, there's a fire. Dial 911. There's a fire, there's a fire. Dial 911. If you can't raise an arm. Dial 911. If you're suddenly having trouble speaking these words. Dial 911. Face suddenly. 
goes all numb. All of a sudden, get the worst headache of your life. Sudden loss of sight in one or both eyes. If you think stroke may be the cause, never wait to call. 911. Making a difference in someone's life is elementary. Know the sudden signs of stroke and dial 911 immediately if they appear. Time lost is brain lost. For more information, visit PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. So, Kristen, how was Esther's baby shower? Oh, great. Yeah. Everyone was there. Uh -huh. Allison, Katie, Nancy, Karen, oh. who has gained a little weight, by the way. Stop it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> oh, it's too bad you couldn't make it. How's little Sammy? Oh, he's fine. It was oh. just a little fever, but he's feeling better now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, you know it's a girl, right? Oh, wow. What's her name? Um, oh, I can't remember. It's one of those names. Excuse me? Oh, you know, one of those names. Shakita, Juanita, Jaquita. Why do black people like those kinds of names anyway? You'd think they'd know better. They just make it harder on themselves, you know what I mean? No, Kristen. I don't know what you mean. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the Gangsta Rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. date on current events, just want to hear yourself speak, then join WXIN's News Talk Sports Department and you can talk local news, road events, sports, whatever you want. Attend meetings at Horace Band 186 on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. or stop by the station anytime to get your slot today. FM signal may be small, but the internet is worldwide. Stream us live anywhere on rickradio.org. That's ricradio.org. Hello and welcome back to Stadium Experience with your host Jake Helmsley. Final segment coming up here. I'm still sitting here with Jackson Reaper. We've been talking some Red Sox. We've been talking some hoops. We've been talking some football. We're probably get, before we end the show here. We're probably gonna dive back into a little bit more Red Sox stuff. Some actual updates that aren't me just insulting the team for who they are as people. And if you want to join in on a conversation about any of this, don't be afraid to tweet at me at Jake R E L M S L I E. That is at Jake R E L M S L I E. Also, if you've been enjoying the episode but you missed some of it, or you just want to Let's do it again. This episode concluding the broadcast will be being uploaded to SoundCloud, to the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud, and to iTunes on the podcast. So if you want to download the episode, don't be afraid to 
type into the iTunes podcast directory, The Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. That is The Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. If you want to download the episode and hear any parts you missed or listen to it again to if you just love hearing me yell about grown men. Anyway, with that, the actual news outside of Shaughnessy bringing to light guys being dicks, the Red Sox last night in the middle of a 13-inning game traded for Eduardo Nunez, 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 Nunez of the San Francisco Giants in return for Sean Anderson, who was ranked the 18th prospect in baseball, and Gregory Santos, both pitching prospects. And I was saying last week that I thought that the Red Sox should not trade for a third baseman. I think they have enough to make. Oh, oh my! Also, Nunez is hitting. Is about thirty years old. He has one year left on his deal. About one point four million. He's hitting, I believe, three oh five right now. He has four home runs and eighteen stolen bases. He's anyway, ranked fifth in batting average with the runners in the scoring position. I did not know that. That's interesting. So he's clutch. He's been fairly okay. Does not hit for power though, which is what this team needs. But anyway, I was saying that the team should not trade for a third baseman. I think that the main help that they need is in the reliever. I think that they have the internal options. Last night you saw them bring up Raphael Devers, which I've been wishing for for about a month now. So it's happy to see him do it. And when they did that, I'm like, all right, cool. They're not going to trade for a third baseman. And then last night you saw Devers go 0 for 4, was walked twice, but today in his first hit actually hit a home run. It was a bomb. It hit a home a bomb. run bomb, coming the first Red Sox player since Daniel Nava in 2010. The homer remember first. that name? I do. Wasn't it a grand slam, too? It was a grand slam. I remember that. I was in Luke's Inn in Warren with my dad when that happened. I was like, wow, that guy's going to be so good. Anyway, so Devers hit a home run today, and that was kind of the MO on him, that the defense wasn't, gonna, wasn't quite there yet, but he was going to be able to hit for power, which apparently he can. And the defense didn't look too bad last night. Anyway, so, but they have traded for him, but seemingly they don't see him as a third baseman per se. So it's not like they're just going to send Devers back, which would be ridiculous. But seemingly they see him more as a utility player. Literally the team's post, I believe, on Facebook said, we've traded for a utility man. Eduardo Nunez, which is bizarre to see the team just say utility man. You think the team would think of something better? Put in front of his name, like, I think he was in contention for a gold glove one time. But, and you you always see the team say something stupid, right? Like, whenever they trade for even an insignificant guy in any sport, you see the team put some stupid qualifier in front of him, like, ooh, Nader, D-League MVP. Like, they just put some stupid hype thing, but they just said utility man with the guy. Well, I mean, he's he's played many different positions. Yeah, and before. he is a, no, he is a utility <laughs> man, but he just, I don't know. It just That was just funny to me. But, so seemingly maybe they don't think that he's a guy who will just play third base. Maybe they still want Devers at third base. Yeah, I just I just think at this point they needed an impact bat because they, they needed power, like you just yeah, said. They and, they, to- and they didn't get a guy, um, I mean, they still have time to look for that, but... They didn't get a guy who's going to deliver that, and I know that Nunez is um, is, um, not is cl- a p- no. Well, he's he's a he's a clutch bat, seemingly, but yep. he's not. But he's not exactly what they. But he's not an impact bat. So mm-hmm. he's not he's not gonna you know he's not gonna be drilling you know four hundred fifty foot bombs for you, you know when you really need it. He's really, gonna they be just hitting, need hits. But yeah. power. They need hits at this point. So I think you know. 
by bringing by bringing in Nunez, um, it does it does give them you know a little bit of leverage in the lineup, um, and also on the field because he can play many different he's played many different positions before. But I think it just wasn't specifically the guy that they needed, you know, at this point in time. And um, I've heard them being linked to um, Jeff Smart, mm-hmm. Sarp, sorry, the, with the name, Sarmarja um, of the um, of the Giants. Yep. Um, possibly bringing him to bolster the rotation a little bit. Um, yeah, just and that, because they're a walking. And that's pilot. what they need more than. That's why I said I want them to put their. And mind you, they didn't really end up having to give up all that much. I guess, which I was also saying, like, if they give up Groom or Devers to bring in somebody like this, I'm going to be pissed. But, you know, also seemingly they didn't, they didn't give up a lot. So I'm not, like, mad, but it's just these are all assets that I really wish you could see go to bullpen help, which they desperately need. Which also makes the Thornburg deal much worse, because that's a guy who you could have used right now, or you could have... Use those assets that you traded for him. They do, but we still, you know, we still have five more days to see what happens. I just think for them, they need to go out. Um, they need think, relief help. I think, yeah, I do. I think their bullpen needs the most help. Um, but they're, you know, like I said, I was saying before, they, you know, by adding Nunez, you did get some help in the lineup. But you need that, you need that three, you know, four, five, you know, you need that three or four hitter that's gonna. Yeah, elevate they need you that power, bit. and also like. Really, no. Really, in the end, it's not going to come from somebody that they bring from outside. It's going to come from maybe Hanley stepping back up, and he's been playing decent as of late. Or Mookie Betts heating up. Like they're going to need some. Like they need somebody inside to step up. There's not an outside solution. But you know what's also kind of funny about this is that with Nunez being gone and the Giants seemingly kind of selling off assets right now, you know what this actually does? This opens the door for uh, for Pablo Sandoval. Ah, yes, to, to be, but to I've heard uh, to, to come Bruce, up, Brucey over there, he doesn't... Oh, hang uh, on. To come up from the Sacramento River Cats and <laughs> maybe play third base for the Giants again. But I've heard that that probably won't happen. Well, <laughs> apparently they're not completely mentally impaired there in San Francisco, so that's good. But... <laughs> Pablo on the River Cats. But, yeah, so, I mean, like... I guess I'm not mad about this deal. Like, I suppose, because one thing, they didn't have to give up a lot. So, I don't know. I just still want to see them give relief help. But it seems like maybe the team is afraid to go over the luxury tax also, which has been something that's been coming out that potentially the Red Sox ownership does not want to see this team go over the River Cat, go over the River Cats, go over the luxury tax, and them only bring in a guy who's making $1.4 million, not yet bringing in relief help. Makes me wonder that maybe there's some validity to those reports. And that maybe this team is afraid to go over the luxury tax, which a lot of people, I heard this all on the radio on my drive here, so this is none of my own thoughts. But supposedly, the storyline has been out there, well, if you do go over the luxury tax, this team will then be impacted in draft positioning and their ability to sign international players. But, reportedly, that's not true. The only, if this team was to go over the luxury tax, unless they went over it, like, 40 million over it, which they're obviously not going to do in the middle of the year suddenly. That as long as this team doesn't do that, the only penalty would be financial. They'd only have to pay the league half of what they're going over. So the team not going over the luxury tax is not an asset protection ability. It's not a flexibility protection. They're protecting, you know, the ownership groups a bit, you know, money. So. And I don't really get that at this point with what this team's done. Because the Red Sox have obviously, they've gone all in this year for the most part. They've traded a lot of their top prospects for sale, for 
Thornburg. They've given the big contract to Price. They've done a, they've done a lot of things like that. And then to say that, but ownership is then going, hey, we want to go all the way, except we don't want to go over to luxury tax and maybe pay an extra $5 million. We don't want to do that. Seems kind of silly at this point. It does. Yeah, and I don't know. So, for the sake of the team, I hope that they, you know, maybe that they kind of they break out the checkbook at this point because they've done it in every other thing. And I think I'm not saying the team has been cheap. They haven't been cheap by any means. So what I'm saying is like if you've gone this far, not being cheap, doing going all in, trading all your prospects, like come on, like do, take the last step. Anyway, though, with all that out of the way, it is. That special time again, when I bid adieu to all of you, bid adieu to all of you, you have been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. Jackson Reaper has been here co-hosting with me. This has been a fun episode. Once again, we hope to eventually have the phone lines back on, so none of you can call me, but I can hope that you all call me. But anyway, if you enjoyed the episode, if you only caught part of it and you want to see the rest of it, you missed some of it, you want to listen to it again, don't be afraid to check us out on SoundCloud, the official stadium experience with Jake Elmsley SoundCloud, or go to iTunes, just type in the stadium experience with Jake Elmsley, that's Jake E-L-M-S-L-I-E, under the iTunes podcast directory, there you can download the episode. Anyway, though, once again, I'm Jake Elmsley, this has been the stadium experience, thank you to Jackson for coming on thank you to everybody for listening anyway with all that though we are going to bid you adieu we will be back here next week wednesday 4 to 6 p.m talking about whatever happens that makes me mad that week anyway though have a lovely week